are listening to Earth Oddity, a weekly odyssey into all the oddity planet Earth has to offer. And now, serving it up, are Christopher Tiny Sullivan and some other guy. John Horton, how are you doing this afternoon? <laughs> I'm, I'm great. I was not expecting that. <laughs> uh, everyone out there listening... Please don't turn off your cell phones. Don't turn off podcatchers. Uh, don't freak out. John Long has not quit the podcast, or at least not yet. He was traveling today, this weekend. He was in Talladega, and there was just no way that he was going to be able to make it back in time. So I went out, found someone to fill in for him, and I got the very best I could do. The other four people <laughs> didn't answer the phone. <laughs> But the fifth guy is here. So we have the other John. Uh, we have uh, John Horton. How you doing? I'm great. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, so in preparation, I, uh, you know, I was listening to last week's podcast, so yep. I went and I binge-watched uh, The Bachelor. So I will be prepared for any and all Bachelor <laughs> questions that are going to, I'm sure, are going to pop up during this episode. So Hmm. Yeah. So... <laughs> Onward and upward. <laughs> we have some good news, or well, not some good news, but we have some very odd news. I'm going to start off with this one. Did you, uh, did you see this story about this guy who was attacked by his girlfriend with a samurai sword? <laughs> no, I missed this, that one. This was a, a story actually from last week, and then ultimately I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna. I can't poke fun. The guy at, at last week he was still really bad hurt, you know, and I wasn't gonna, you know. Uh, laugh at someone else's misfortune but he has woke up and he has done an interview and he has uh he's had, he's had some things to say to the press that cannot go unmentioned so the name of the uh, headline here is boyfriend who survived samurai sword attack quote it scared the living poop out of me this comes <laughs> from the oregonian alex lovell nearly lost his fingers his life and he appears to have lost the woman he loved Otherwise, as Cam, uh, the Camus man is feeling pretty good. Uh, this is his quote right here. I was just so proud for beating this samurai wannabe crazy lady with hate in her heart, Level 29 told the Oregonian uh, in a Facebook message exchange Wednesday. I've been preparing my whole life for something like this. So, <laughs> how, how does one actually prepare for a situation like this? Well, he, he actually brings that up. We'll get into that in a minute. But I wonder, like... <laughs> The way he's talking, it sounds like he just knew it was only a matter of time before some woman turned on him <laughs> the way he's talking here. But uh, the woman, Emily Javier, 30, his girlfriend of two years, is facing attempted murder charges after she told police and a 911 dispatcher that she attacked and repeatedly slashed at him with a samurai sword during the wee hours of March 3rd. The incident has drawn national and international headlines. It's also landed Lovell in the hospital where he remains recovering from multiple wounds and lacerations. In an interview with the police after the attack, Javier claimed that she found a Tinder dating app on his phone, and he also has a penchant for playing too many video games. Well, there you go. (laughs) Off with his head. (laughs) He has denied cheating on his girlfriend, and he gives pretty good reason for for, not doing it. He says that the app was on his phone from before he ever met her, and he spent, get this, 12 to 13 hours a day playing Player Unknown Battleground, which is apparently a computer game where players parachute onto an island and they you know, try to find weapons like Survivor and the island gets smaller as they play. It's, it's typically referred to as PUBG. 
But uh, this dude is spending 12 to 13 hours playing this game. So he says, uh, I barely had time to hang out with my girlfriend, let alone cheat on her with somebody else. <laughs> Which, if he's telling the truth, he's, he's got a point. <laughs> uh, that is a defense. I'm not sure that's a good defense, but... <laughs> Lovell here refers to himself as an athlete. Had you Have you ever heard of the term? Uh, not in, in all of my gaming experience. <laughs> I've never heard the term athlete. Apparently, it's not an athlete as right. in someone who plays sports, but an athlete is... Uh, E-gaming, yeah. Exactly. It's an athlete who plays video games. (laughs) He says, uh, or this is her, she said she saw that the the Tinder dating app was on his phone, and then she says that she saw scratches on his back, and then she found hair, red hair, in the couple's shower drain, which wasn't hers because her hair is dyed green. Oh, wow. (laughs) Dead giveaway. (laughs) So, <laughs> oh, see, you you get the funny articles. You gave me all the articles of death. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I tell you, it was a grim week last week. I've got some of those too. Real quick, her anger peaked on the night of March second when he came home and he totally ignored her. At about nine o'clock, she went into the couple's bedroom and there she had taped a samurai sword and two knives to the side of her bed, and she decided that was the night she was going to do it. Later, he came in, and he drifted off to sleep. She hid his phone so that he wouldn't be able to call for help. Great. And at that point, she grabs the sword, and she attacks him. But uh, this is Lovell talking. He says, he woke up being attacked by Javier, and his instincts kicked in, and he instantly drew on a lifetime of kung fu films and martial arts training. (laughs) She, quote, woke the dragon. And he was able to Wing Chun his way to survival, which apparently Wing Chun is a Chinese martial art that focuses on close quarters combat. Oh. Don't know if you knew that. Oh. <laughs> he says he got her into a bear hug. Uh, quote, I saw the look in her eyes and it scared the living poop out of me. He said, I told her I loved her and that she was killing me and she needed to call the police or I was going to die. <laughs> wow. The distraught woman he was. She did convince him. She called police. She went out there and met him. She was. Uh, uh, this is where it gets a little graphic. She was uh, covered in blood. She thought he was dead, and she said that uh, he had to go in there and help him. Which, I mean, he's saying he won a fight. So, but here it sounds like she left him for dead. I don't know which is the case. Um, well, who would want to admit to being beat up with your girlfriend by a sword? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. She had a big old samurai sword. I think he got a little bit of, and you were sleeping, so <laughs> I don't know, but. Uh, she nearly cut off his uh, left middle hey. ring and index oh, fingers. Oh, I, I didn't know where we were going with that. And <laughs> and she also, you know, he got he had a slash on his leg. He he got a slash upside of his head. Uh, it was pretty rough. Said that uh, he's not going to be playing PUBG for a while because he uh, anticipates a long road to recovery, and it could be six months before he's walking again. And he will require extensive physical therapy to regain the full use of his hands, which he had said earlier in the article that he uh, trained his body for expert mouse moves. Uh, <laughs> so you know, losing three fingers, that'll put some, a damper on, put your, the kibosh on, on your, your on your micro right there. Yes. The feeling I had when I won the fight with my bare hands is just the absolute best feeling. I've played all sorts of sports, and I've won big games, and I've landed some pretty decent tricks on my snowboard. But this was way better than oh. all that. <laughs> he may have won this fight, but he is losing at life. I can tell you that. And he's probably going to be losing at PUBG for a while. 
He was asked if they were still an item, and he says, well, I haven't spoken to her, if that's what you mean, LOL. She called the authorities and saved my life, so I hope that counts for something. It's a bit complicated, but I assume she needs some help. So he's surprisingly chill about the whole about the whole incident. What a train wreck. <laughs> that is a train wreck, my friend. What well, you got? Well, I've, I've got a great article for you. It's so uplifting. Well, this one's not as bad as some of the others, but um, <laughs> this one covers a Romanian man. Well, the title is Romanian Court Tells Man He Is Not Alive. And uh, this guy says, I'm officially dead, although I'm alive. I have no income. <gasps> I have no income. And because I'm listed as dead, I can't do anything. So evidently this dude, he's uh, he leaves uh, Romania and he goes to Turkey and he starts him up a business over there. Well, yeah. the one little problem, his uh, passport and his uh, uh, visa expires. Uh-oh. So the uh, the law comes in and says, <laughs> hey, you got to go. So he goes back to Turkey thinking, oh, everything's going to be great. I'll just renew my passport. Well, while he's been gone for all these years, it says... Um, while he was gone, if I'm not mistaken, his wife. Yeah, it says uh, he was trying to overturn his death certificate obtained by his <laughs> wife after he had spent more than a decade in Turkey, during which time he was out of contact with his family. The court told him he was too late to appeal and would have to remain officially deceased. Stench. Oh, man. So it says his wife had argued in court that having not heard uh, of having heard nothing from her husband since 1999, she assumed he had died in an earthquake while in Turkey. The paper said, uh, dude, believe she sought the death certificate in order to annul the marriage and allow her to remarry. So, so. she's... so. It sounds like he just up and leaves her. He starts another business somewhere else, and so she had him declared dead so she could marry somebody else. Pretty much. And then he gets shipped back. So at first you're thinking the she's like, the shady one, but this dude just, just you know, he told her to, you know, kick rocks, and he, he decided he'd go somewhere. <laughs> and uh, so he starts his new life in Turkey and then gets uh, deported. So. <laughs> Man. So so the dude is is there. And he's been declared dead, and they're telling him in court that you know you can't you're you're legally dead, and that's not going to change. And you can't appeal. <laughs> you the decision's appeal. final. <laughs> so I don't know what a guy like that's supposed to do. Yeah, what do you do with that? It's like I mean, I guess the court is like we have spoken. Yeah, I you know? guess so. <laughs> now I know I know it's probably your turn, but on an unrelated story, but yes. of, of of equally importance of death. <laughs> Is uh, this is precious? A horror story from a funeral home. It says um, funerals are not supposed to be described as a horror story. Mm-hmm. Yet that is ex- the exact term a family used after privately after a privately run funeral home in Nova Scotia accidentally cremated their family member's body. On top of that, uh, not only did the funeral home burn the wrong corpse, but they also showed a deceased woman's family two bodies. <laughs> One wearing the family member's clothing before admitting their mistake. So they got the they got the two bodies swapped up. One that was supposed to be cremated, they prepared for a funeral, and then the one that was supposed to be prepared for a funeral got cremated. Now there's some things that you probably want to double check. You know that whole measure twice, <laughs> cut once kind yeah, of thing. Well, right. you may want to check three, four, five times before burning. How about that one? <laughs> oh man, classic mix up. Oh yeah. It says uh, Bennett's husband was the first to find out the body wasn't of his late wife, but of a different woman he had never seen before. 
this, <laughs> imagine that. So, Coming in to view the body. Oh, now this this <laughs> like, this wasn't this wasn't like you know a couple of days before the you know the, the wake or anything. Oh no, <laughs> this happened just shortly before the open casket visitation began. Oh no! <laughs> and thankfully, the funeral parlor acknowledged their mess up to the family. <laughs> so they then wheeled out the stranger's body and brought in a new one. <laughs> to take this place but the thing is while this body was wearing their family members clothes it still wasn't still her the wrong body right oh, no. so they showed two bodies but burnt the correct body <laughs> if you're the funeral director at this point do you just try to maybe convince them no that's them <laughs> death takes you know it takes a toll on people and sometimes they look different but that we got the right one well, you're not in a in a good frame of mind to start with when a loved one dies. Right. So you you don't need this added stress to the situation. No. So I would call that the former funeral director at this point. <laughs> if it wasn't so tragic, and I don't want to laugh at you know the family's you know misfortune because I'm sure that is probably very traumatic for them. They've already lost a family member, and now they're having to go through this circus act of trying to find the right person and then come to find out that the right person was cremated and wasn't supposed to be i mean how do you, how do you come back from an error like that i don't know i tell you what i hope i hope that if that was me you know that i would uh i'm i would probably try to get a free funeral out of the thing first right but after that i hope that i would you know maybe be able to maybe they were like well here's a coupon 10% off your next funeral. Yeah. I would be so mad if that was the case. I'd be like, no, it's going to be free. <laughs> okay, okay. 25% off your next funeral. <laughs> what a bark. Oh, man, that is uh, <laughs> that's something else. This is interesting, and uh, you, you work in tech support, don't you? <laughs> I, well, yes, I'm in technology. Okay, so... I'm uh, I'm very interested to hear your take on this. A biohacker who inserted a travel card chip into his body gets fined for not having his ticket. Wait till you hear this guy's name. This uh this comes from Mashable.com. This is an Australian man. His name is Meow Ludo Disco Gamma Meow Meow. <laughs> In parentheses it says here, yes, that's his real name. I'm pretty sure you just made that up. <laughs> meow Ludo Disco Gamma Meow Meow. <laughs> it says it right there. Uh, he has been in a legal dispute with public transport authorities over not having his ticket. Meow Meow argued he did have a valid ticket, but it was just implanted inside of his hand. The biohacker inserted a near-field communication chip, or an NFC chip, coated with a biocompatible plastic into his hand last year, so he didn't have to use the card. And the chip was from an Opal card, Sydney's equivalent to Loyston's, London's Oyster. So I'm assuming this guy, basically, he got the card that you scan to ride public transport, but he, I guess he takes a jump on, the, on He's like, the mark of the beast, and he why, just scans his hand. Why worry about just carrying a card with me when I can have it in my hand all the time? <laughs> I can just implant it in my body. Exactly. Still, meow, meow, he pled guilty on Friday morning to Newtown local court to the charges of using public transport without a valid ticket and not producing a ticket for transport officers resulting in a $220 fine and $1,000 in legal cost, according to ABC News, which, why did he plead guilty if he has the card? It's just in his hand, you know. That, you know, that 
That's kind of the problem with technology. As things advance, the yep. laws are kind of behind the times. So no, he was guilty of not having the physical ticket. I'm sure right. that's what the law reads. Yeah. But here, you know, he's got he's got the electronics in his hand, <laughs> ready to go. You know, this is this is terrible. Forgive me, but what if you put the chip in his middle finger? <laughs> so when people has to see it. He showed it to him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> says here. Meow Meow's lawyer argued the introduction of contactless payment through services like MasterCard means transportation laws should allow all technology, including implants, to be used as tickets. The judge in the case, Michael Quinn, said that Meow Meow, which I can't get over the dude's name, Meow Ludo Disco Gamma Meow Meow. That's mm-hmm. awesome. He has to respect current laws, and even if one day they may be changed, to include all sorts of tech. While disappointed, Meow Meow will replace the Opal card chip with another that will hold information like credit cards and memberships. And the future, he says, the future is coming whether legislators like it or not. So, unfortunately, sir, you're not allowed to have a, a chip implanted in your hand. I guess you're just going to have to carry the card in your wallet like all the other dinosaurs out there. <laughs> that is crazy and what do you do you know you know one of the big problems of uh, rfid is mm-hmm. hackers you know they can have a scanner and and this is kind of the problem with, with a lot of bio right. uh, identification type things you know they scan your chip and now they've got your id well now you got to go rip that chip out of your hand and stick a new one in there you know mm-hmm. so it's probably not the best i don't think he thought this whole thing out yeah. thoroughly right well, there's some people out there who just they they want to be on the such the cutting edge that they're willing to you know. Well, a lot of people that I've run into in technology, mm-hmm. and when a new piece of technology comes out, rather than asking how can we fit our current needs, you know, what technology will help us do that? Rather, they look at here's a new piece of technology. What way can we shoehorn this in <laughs> right. to my organization and make it work? Right. Well, <laughs> sometimes you it, you fall flat. Man, speaking of technology, <laughs> did you? Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, this is this is about the longest article I've ever read. But uh, I'll just I'll just yeah, start feel free off. to summarize. Oh yeah, <laughs> the startup accelerator Y Combinator is known for supporting audacious companies, and it's uh, in its popular three month boot camp. Yet there's never been anything quite like Netcomb, though. It says next week. Uh, at YC's Demo Days, Netcomb's founder uh, is going to describe his technology for exquisitely preserving brains in microscopic detail mm-hmm. using a high-tech high embalming process. Then the MIT graduate will make his business pitch. As his website says, what if we told you we could back up your mind? Right. So... Kind of like iTunes can back up your phone. So it he sounds wants like to back a, up people's brains. Well, it, it it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> right. When you back up your iPhone, you've got a copy. Well, <laughs> there's a catch. Uh, it says the only the only problem is is uh, they need a fresh brain. Right. And in order to have a fresh brain, you, they have to be the one to kill you. So, so basically, so this process of back, backing up your brain is is fatal. It is one hundred percent fatal. The article says oh, that's why we are uniquely situated among the Y uh, Combinator companies. Well, I guess you are. You're the only one that's killing everybody you deal with. <laughs> I tell you what, I bet they have great customer satisfaction surveys. I bet they don't have one single complaint. Not a single one. <laughs> 
the company is planning. Or it says the story has a grisly twist. Mm-hmm. For the process to work, essentially the brain needs to be fresh. The company says its plan is to connect people with terminal illnesses to a heart-lung machine in order to pump its mixture of scientific embalming chemicals into the big uh, cardioid artery in their neck while they are still alive, though under general anesthesia. Right. So kind of a situation where Grandma, who we love, is you know, kind of on the door, on death's doorstep, and we're just going to go ahead and well, back up her brain. Grandma better have some <laughs> funds available because right. they're not doing it on the cheap. How much would it be to uh, for these people to kill me and, and back up my brain? Well, they've got a line going. Uh-huh. Uh, it says that they, uh, they're they demanding a just a mere $10,000 deposit, but it is fully refundable if you change your mind. <laughs> and after that, they laugh mon- maniacally. <laughs> <laughs> it says so far 20 people have done so. One of them is Stan Altman, a 32-year-old investor who is one of the creators of the Y Combinator program. Of course, he's one of the guys in the Okay, vault. so I'm guessing that they haven't backed up his brain, but he's just paid to have he, it done. Right. He's okay. in line. He's gotcha. in line in case in case the time comes, huh. he's prepared. Interesting. He said, I assume my brain will be uploaded to the cloud. To the cloud. Everything's better in the cloud. <laughs> so basically like the Matrix, like they're trying to to get to the point where they can simulate someone's consciousness on a hard drive somewhere? Am I understanding that correctly? Is that the goal well, of this? Well, basically, they've said, you know, uh, doctor-assisted suicide is bad. How can we make it worse? <laughs> we'll just put it under the guise of backing up someone's brain. Right. <laughs> you know, this isn't the first time I've heard of something like this. I mean, this new startup, I mean, they're new. But the idea of, like, backing up someone's consciousness, which, FYI, science doesn't even really know what that is yet, but... The idea of, you know, uploading it, you know, it's not just The Matrix. You know, there's been a lot of Hollywood movies that have kind of toyed around with this idea. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, <clears throat> well, because even even if you could do it, hypothetically, let's say you could back up someone's brain on a hard drive, it's still not them. No. It's a simulation of them, right? Right. And the article did mention that. that yeah. They, it may, I can't, can't locate it right now, but it made the... The thing that you will be brought back to smell the, the, the roses later on, but it won't really be you smelling them. Yeah, it won't be you. Them. It'll be a simulation of you. Right. You Almost know. a technological ghost of sorts. Yeah. So let's say they bring you back in 100 years when technology is advanced. Mm-hmm. But all of your friends, family, children, grandchildren are, are dead now. Right. It, it's, it seems pretty grim. I don't know if yeah. I would want to be brought back under such a situation. So. Well, fortunately, it wouldn't be you. No, there is that. <laughs> but you would feel bad for the the tech John Horton in the computer. <laughs> right. So I could I could see, you know, there have been a lot of movies about that where right. you can you can spin somebody up so that you can extract mm-hmm. uh information maybe of their you know right as they died so you right. could find their killer or whatever but um there was one movie a while back hinky. called source code did you do you remember yes, that did you see I've that seen source code yes yeah yeah it was kind of that same thing i mean it was a little different because they kept sending him back mm-hmm. which that didn't really make i mean i guess the whole movie didn't make sense but basically it's the idea of this dude he was in a bad accident or he was it a terrorist attack? Uh, I can't remember. I remember he I was think he severely. Was, I think he was severely injured. injured in a terrorist attack, but they was able to bring his brain back somehow, and they were interrogating him in a computer to find out who who did it. I think yeah. Yeah. there was an explosion on a train, and he was trying to get yeah. to the bottom of how it happened. But it 
while that that premise sounds good, the 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 way things unfold in the movie, or, or right. there's well, some decisions made, and you're like, this is a horrible ending. Oh, yeah. The the ramifications of what goes on in this movie are terrible. Futurama, you know, remember? Did you ever watch that? They had the the floating heads, right? Like a thousand years in the future, or whatever. And, and they've always <laughs> made fun that uh, supposedly Walt Disney had his head frozen or whatever, right? And they actually play play on that in some uh some kids shows that i've seen back when my kids were younger they would watch <laughs> they actually break in i think to disney disney and they're gonna try to steal the brain or whatever <laughs> steal the head right well and this is a platypus milk <laughs> how it could combat superbugs. <laughs> so if the breast milk thing from the other day wasn't good enough now we're gonna cover <laughs> you know now we're talking still talking well i guess it's not breast milk because as i learned from this article platypuses don't have teats ah, but wow. it is it is milk from from platypuses here we go uh platypus milk could help combat one of humanity's looming problems antibiotic resistance scientists say the weird creatures have a duck's beak and venomous feet and are one of only two mammals able to lay eggs australian scientists discovered in 2010 that the semi-aquatic animal's milk contains a potent protein that may be able to fight superbugs. They've now identified why and say that it could lead to the creation of a new type of antibiotic. Uh, platypuses are met- monotremes, which is a tiny group of mammals able to lay eggs and produce milk at the same time. Mm. Uh, like I said earlier, platypuses don't have teats, so instead they concentrate milk into their belly and feed their young by sweating it out. <laughs> so they sweat milk, <laughs> which sounds gross, but that's how they do it. Uh, if this article wasn't weird to start with, now they're <laughs> sweating the milk. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, so this feeding system is thought to be linked to its uh, antibacterial properties, according to scientists. Platypuses are such weird animals, and it could make sense for them to have weird biochemistry. Dr. Janet Newman from Australia's National Science Agency said... It's believed mammals evolved teats or nipples because it was a sterile way to deliver milk to their young. Uh, but platypus milk being exposed to the outside leaves their babies in danger of being in contact with harmful bacteria. So that kind of makes sense. Like, <laughs> sweating out milk and feeding it to your kids isn't the most sanitary way. So it would kind of make sense that their milk would adapt its an- to be like antibacterial so that, you know, they don't infect their babies with bacteria coming off their feet. Well... <laughs> I can just see the baby platypus there. You know, he's getting hungry, and he's like, Hey, Mom, how about you go for a jog or something? Long in the hot sunshine. Yes. So I can lick your sweaty body because I need some milk. Dude, that's disgusting. The unique antibacterial protein their milk contains might be the animal's defense against that. Deakin University junior uh, Dr. Junley Sarup believes we are interested to examine the protein structure and characteristics to find out exactly what part of the problem of the protein was doing that. The researchers found a quirk they say has never been seen in more than 100,000 different protein structures known to biologists. It was dubbed the Shirley Temple in reference to its ringlet formation after the 1930s child star. So, I guess the protein is, it looks like red curly hair, I suppose. <laughs> Dr. Newman said the find will go on to inform other drug discovery work. It says here, the World Health Organization released a report in 2014 urging action to be taken on preventable, urging action to be taken to prevent the post-antibiotic era where common infections and injuries might have been treatable for decades once again can kill. 
Antimicrobial resistance occurs when bacteria build up a tolerance against certain antibiotics and pass that resistance on to the next generation of bacteria producing superbugs. So, you know, I don't know if you're familiar, but, you know, we've been using antibiotics in all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. We've been using it in uh, soaps Mm -hmm. and, you know, all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, there's no problem with that at all, right? (laughs) And also... The livestock that we eat, we give them tons of antibiotics because you know when they when the animals ripe for slaughter, it's like it gets like what a five percent you know muscle mass or something, so you get a little bit more. And some scientists think that as a result of us constantly using antibiotics, it's like you know cause these you know bacteria to build up immunities, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you know somebody catches what they call a superbug and they can't treat them, you know, and it's. It's been a, a real concern among some doctors that, hey, we're, you know, all this stuff that we had beat, you know, it's going to make a comeback. Well, I don't have anything to worry about because I'm going to get me a platypus <laughs> and lick it yes, daily. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Public Health England says up to a fifth of antibiotic prescriptions are not necessary and many illnesses get better on their own. It's estimated that 5,000 people in England die each year as a result of drug-resistant infections. Uh, and they also mentioned here that Komodo dragon blood is another weird source being checked for potential new antibiotics, which I don't know if you've watched uh, anything on Discovery Channel about Komodo dragons. I know they've got a terrible bite. Yes. You the, are you the, are doomed. And the bite is not from any venom, venom no. that they themselves... Uh, it's just funk. Exactly. It's just bacteria that they have a symbiotic relationship with that build up in their mouth. So they bite you and then the bacteria gets you. Mm. Apparently, Komodo dragon, because they have all that you know junk in their mouth, they also have like antibiotic blood that we make in harvest what let me ask you this which would if you get sick with a super bug would you rather have a platypus milk or would you rather have komodo dragon blood no i don't <laughs> know i'm gonna go with komodo dragon yeah me too it just sounds better than platypus, so metal than platypus milk. <laughs> give me some of that komodo dragon blood yeah because <laughs> then say i would just drop the Kom- uh, komodo off and i would just say it's dragon blood <laughs> Yes. <laughs> now that's that sounds real baller there. Yeah, and I bet it would sell like hotcakes. That it would. All right, I've got an article for you. It's right. a little bit happier this time. So, <laughs> unless you happen to be the one driving the car, <laughs> Ford recalls 1.4 million cars because steering wheel can come off. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> says Ford is recalling 1.4 million vehicles because the steering wheels can become loose and even come off while driving. The automaker says it's aware of two accidents and one injury that may have been caused by the problem. The affected models are Ford Fusion and Lincoln MKZs, Mm -hmm. both uh, from the model years 2014 to 2018. Ford said the problem is that a steering wheel bolt could come loose, which could cause the steering wheel to potentially detach, which just potentially. <laughs> just potentially. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> no, nothing to worry about. And it's quite a few. It's all the Ford Fusions and the hybrids and the Lincoln MKZs. Uh, it says the company recalled another 6,000 Fusion and Focus models due to a risk of fire from a fracture in the clutch pressure plate. So some, some problems going on over there at Ford. That sounds like a comic book mishap. <laughs> the steering wheel come off, you know? I mean, that's what happened in the Laugh Olympics when, you know, Motley or whoever would take the little bolt off the the other driver's car. <laughs> I mean, I didn't... 
that sounds like a serious problem. That should be there should be stuff in that car's design that, that stop that from happening. I like got the steering wheel just coming off. Yeah, one, while you're driving, one point four million cars. That's a lot. That's a that even if it was twenty five cents to fix, <laughs> that that'll take a hit to your bottom line right there. And I know when I was uh when I was sixteen years old, my the very first vehicle I ever had was a Ford F one fifty that my dad bought for me, and I was so proud of that Ford. And there's this whole Chevy Chevy versus Ford, you know, and mm-hmm. you hear the the found on road dead and all mm-hmm. this other stuff. Fix fix or repair daily. That's what <laughs> fix I or repair yeah. daily. Maybe there's some truth to that. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't want Ford's lawyers coming after us. Well, but my. <laughs> I never had a problem before with a Chevy, but uh, I, I, my big thing when I was growing up as a kid was I watched Dukes of Hazard, mm-hmm. and they had the Dodge uh, Charger. Right. And I thought that was the best vehicle ever. Mm-hmm. I thought I told my dad, I want me one of these. When I get of age, this is what I want. And his response was, you don't want old Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> Won't crank. So. Well, apparently, I'd rather have a Dodge than... A car that the steering wheel is yes. going to come off of. A car that won't crank is safer <laughs> than a true. car that's running down the road and the wheel comes off. <laughs> well, uh, you've been complaining about uh, some of your stories being gruesome. Well, I tell you what. All right. I'm fixing out, do you hear? <laughs> Headline. Idaho teacher investigated after allegedly feeding a live puppy to snapping turtles as his students watched. Hmm. <laughs> Here we go. That, that might cause a stir at the next PTA meeting. Apparently, which I mean, this is Idaho, so and he's apparently he's old school. He probably thought there's no big deal, but an Idaho science teacher is under investigation after allegedly feeding a live puppy to a snapping turtle in front of his students at his school. An animal rights activist, Jill Parrish, filed a police report last week after hearing that the teacher. Robert Croslin, who works in Preston, a small city near the Utah border, fed the puppy to the reptile as students looked on, according to local media. And you know these animal rights activists, man, they uh, they can really get worked up over things like this. This is what she has to say. What I have learned in the last four days is disgusting. It is sick. It is sick, Parrish told uh, Lake City TV station KSTU. Allowing children to watch an innocent baby puppy scream because it's being fed to an animal, that is violence. That is not okay, Parrish added. The animal reportedly was terminally ill. Oh, well. <laughs> so, which, and I'll, do puppies... We should have just pumped him full of uh, scientifically approved embalming fluid and preserved <laughs> his brain. <laughs> yeah. Then we could have asked him what he felt. He could learn to chase the cars in the future when they bring him back. <laughs> or just, you know, run the simulation on the hard drive. He could have been chasing. So you, you think of how outrageous this is. I mean, if it if he'd thrown some mice in there to feed the snapping turtle, nobody would have batted an eye. Yeah, but, but a that, cute puppy. A puppy is a different level. Right. You know, you got you got mice down here, you got cats right here, and then you yeah. got another plant. But you, you've got <laughs> levels. You think the snapping turtle would have known better. <laughs> Do was, they not understand all these different uh, he was criteria hung, that we judge the cuteness of animals by? Hungry. <laughs> his hunger outweighed yeah, apparently. his discernment. Estelle Hull, a 7th grade student at Preston Junior High, told the station that Croslin usually fed mice or birds to his menagerie of animals, which also includes snakes. 
I feel a little bit better that it was a puppy that was going to die and not a healthy puppy, she said. <laughs> Parents, Annette Salveson and Julie Johnson told KSTU that Croslin is the best science teacher at the school. If it was a deformed puppy that was going to die anyway, Croslin is very much circle of life, Salveson added. Uh, in a statement, the school district said that it is investigating the allegation. On March 7th, 2018, Preston School District was made aware of a regrettable circumstance involving some of the biological specimens at Preston Junior High. The event was not a part of any school-directed program. We emphasize that at no time was the safety of the students or the staff in jeopardy. Meanwhile, the East Idaho News reported that the alleged incident occurred after school hours. So, at least it was, you know, he wasn't... It wasn't part of a demonstration. He was just like, hey, kids, if you want to hang around after school and watch me feed this puppy to this turtle, feel free. (laughs) Well, as long as it was after three, I guess that makes it okay. (laughs) Well, I'll be honest, you know, uh, my wife, she says I'm not right. I've got a passing interest in the macabre, so if... uh, I would have probably stuck around after school to see that. <laughs> and I know that makes me a horrible person. I'm just telling it like it is. <laughs> that That is a disturbing article. <laughs> the newspaper said that parents and students regard Crosland as a popular teacher who has snakes and other animals in tanks around his classroom. Three former students who were asked not to be named said that he had previously on occasion fed guinea pigs to snakes and snapping turtles. No, that's perfectly fine. During classroom demonstrations. <laughs> perfectly okay. Uh, he's a cool teacher. We don't, really <laughs> we don't have an arrangement with the guinea pigs. <laughs> that's true. We do with the puppies. <laughs> Although guinea pigs, they're cute, right? Mm, don't okay. they do that like little dance on the internet? Glorif- I know that's early aughts. but <laughs> Glorif- Glorified rats. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here, quote, He is a cool teacher who really brought science to life. One of the former students told the paper, I loved his class because he had turtles and snakes and other cool things. Uh, He has not commented on this story yet, uh, and he's still teaching and has not yet been suspended. So I don't think the guy needs to be suspended or fired. Definitely not. But uh, he he probably needs somebody to talk to him and say, Hey, it's probably not a good idea. It's not not good PR. Yeah. (laughs) Which, I mean... You know, the the snapping turtle, he didn't feel bad about this. You know, I feel like he probably, his if he belly. was out in the wild, he would eat all kinds of stuff. That's just circle His belly's life. full. He's fine. Yeah, and it was, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He, they say that the puppy was deformed. So was he really even that cute if he was deformed? Is it okay to kill cute puppies? I mean, deformed puppies? Or do they have to be cute? Mm, delicious puppy in my belly. <laughs> We're really getting into some mm-hmm. <laughs> morally amb- ambiguous uh, ambiguity here. So, <laughs> well, speaking of morally ambigu- ambiguous, I've got an article for you here. It says bra bandits mm-hmm. stole eleven thousand dollars with a Victoria's Secrets lingerie. Folsom police say uh, that's a lot of lingerie. Well, I wonder what they were going to do with those those four or five. Uh, bra and panty sets that they got from Victoria's Secret for $11,000. I don't know. You think they were going to... Because that's about how much four would be, I believe. They're going to sell it on the black market. It says a pair... Now, it, it's bad enough to steal something, but they took it to the, the another level. It says a pair of would-be robbers pepper-sprayed a Victoria's Secret's employee Friday while attempting to make off with thousands of dollars of lingerie, according to the Folsom Police Department. Police were called to the store in Palo Alto, Adio, Mm-hmm. at Broadstone just before 8 p.m., police said in a Facebook post. 
an employee had confronted two women with several large bags of stolen clothing. One of the women pulled out pepper spray and attacked the employee so the two could make their escape. It says the employee was, was not injured and was able to give the responding officers a description of the getaway car. An officer spotted the car as the two women attempted to leave the area. Hmm. The suspects were identified as Blanca Talia Quintero, 22 of Richmond, and uh, Antone, Antone Lestar Welch, 19 of Pittsburgh. So, oh, and one of them had a $100 counterfeit bill with them while they were at it. So. <laughs> As a person who has been passed a $100 counterfeit bill in the past, right. uh, they should put her under the jail. <laughs> so what happens when you have a, a counterfeit $100 bill and you try to spend it? Uh, well, sometimes it works and sometimes you just out $100. <laughs> well, fortunately, I didn't try to spend mine. I just happened to notice after I'd accepted it a little later, I was like, this just doesn't look right. Yeah. Now, you would think, why didn't you notice that when they first gave it to you? Mm-hmm. But I did not. So I called the police, and they're like, "Yep, it's fake, and we'll be taking your hundred dollar bill." So, oh, so I was with, I was out the merchandise. So of course it was at yard sale, and <laughs> and the next sale. question you're like, "What idiot That's- takes a hundred dollar bill at a yard sale?" <laughs> but they bought they bought like a, a Winnie the Pooh lamp and some other things, and uh, I gave them like twenty forty dollars in change. I can't remember. So they they got my merchandise oh, and forty dollars of hard cash, and I got egg on my face oh man so you couldn't like take it to another yard sale and try to pass you it could if you like felonies <laughs> what do you man like man that really stinks that you're just out a hundred bucks yeah and i mean it wasn't your fault you didn't counterfeit the money no man that stinks oh yeah it was it was glorious i felt like an idiot <laughs> so <laughs> which i mean i get you can't blame the cops they got to take it oh yeah. you know but man Maybe. And it, it was pretty good, too. I mean, the the problem was when I went to put it with my other bills, it was just a little different size. But, I mean, oh, the, no. the printing, I mean, it was very slight. I yeah, mean, yeah. from the naked eye, you you wouldn't be able to realize something. But, I mean, it was the printing and all was very accurate. I mean, Man. it looked it looked legit. Huh. So. Interesting. I, I should have had, <laughs> after that, though, I went and bought me some of those pens. So, when, at the yard sales we had after that, buddy, I was marking those bills, <laughs> right. making sure. So, you ever you ever go to the to the like the the grocery store or uh, convenience store and you give them a twenty dollar bill or I give them like a five marker. or a ten or a five dollar bill yeah. and they'll mark it make sure it's real and I want to whip out when they give me my change I want to whip my marker <laughs> out and and scan their bills and I'm like yes. hey I'm checking you too Joker <laughs> yes <laughs> that is brilliant so two, two you, can play at this game where do you get those markers uh, I've got mine at Office Depot so. really how much were they are they I mean no. They're, five bucks maybe huh. for three do you do you know the science behind it how, no. did, how does it is no. it a certain dye or well something? really well uh bills are really linen so right. it's the react somehow with i don't know so how do you know if you got a if you're using a little marker on a bill how do you know you got a, a bad one uh Will it not it, mark it, it shows up if it's real okay it, i guess it doesn't if it's fake i don't so i could if i wanted to i could just take a crayola, crayola marker out maybe. Of my son's box and just mark bills with it so people think i'm checking them yes (laughs) you could do that (laughs) yeah or you could take a dry marker Mm -hmm. and rub it across it and go hey his bill is fake i need another one (laughs) you need to why don't you just give this to me i'll turn it into the police for you (laughs) 
Uh, so if you do have a, if you suspect your dollar or your hundred dollar bill is counterfeit, I guess you uh, maybe donate it to charity and count it off on your taxes. That's how you get your money. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, back to the article. I know people are are sitting on on the edge of their seat wanting to know what happened with this lingerie. Right. It says the two women had managed to abscond with more than eleven thousand dollars of lingerie. The post said. Uh, a photo shows they had taken dozens of bras of various shades. So, mm-hmm. there you go. And it is quite a few from the picture. Hmm. Maybe they were planning to open up their own shop. I don't know. Black market bras. <laughs> well, uh, you want to do that last article, and then we'll uh, finish up with this one. Okay, sure. <laughs> <clears throat> this this sounds like a situation I would be put in, I'm afraid. Says giant yellow duck missing off the Washington coast after fleeing swimming competition. Rubber ducky, you're the one. Says <laughs> oh a giant inflatable duck is missing off the coast of Western Australia. I said Washington. It says WA. It's very mm-hmm. confusing. But uh, well, Western Australia. Okay. After strong winds whisked it into the Indian Ocean. Uh, Daphne, the duck, was meant to be the mascot for last Sunday's Coogee Jetty to Jetty Swim. Uh, says the president of the organization, Peter Marr, said he was setting up the event when Daphne took flight in strong winds. <laughs> uh, so evidently this, this wasn't a cheap duck, by the way. It right. wasn't, wasn't a little duck. And you've seen the videos of when... Uh, like these little bounce houses and stuff, mm-hmm. you get in a straight line wind and it just whips those suckers and they're gone. And hopefully your children aren't in there. Yeah. Well, this says, um, Mr. Marr said Daphne, who cost the club $900 and is the size of a small caravan, had been a point of contention in the club for the past year. I didn't want the duck whatsoever, he said. We're a small organization trying to run a swim that makes money for a club. I knew as I was swimming. So get this. The thing takes the flight. It's flying. So he jumps in the water and tries to swim after it. And he said after a little while, he realized, well, that's futile. But he says, as I was swimming, uh, I knew as I was swimming, I'd be accused of doing it deliberately. (laughs) Fishermen have reported sightings of Daphne, including a group who saw her 15 kilometers west of Rottnest (laughs) Island soon after she broke free. There was also a rumor she had made it as far as uh, Geraldton, almost five, uh, 400 kilometers north of Coogee Beach. Mr. Marr said the club was offering a reward for Daphne's safe return. They're giving away swimming merchandise and a free entry into next year's swim. Hmm. And Man. it says we're expecting a ransom note. Ah. <laughs> uh. This duck is huge. Yeah, if you go click on the uh, the the... The link in the show notes is pretty neat. 15 feet tall, maybe? It's, it, pretty, it's pretty large. It is huge. And they've got a little reward poster here printed yeah. out. Help us find Daphne the duck. <laughs> Last seen at Coogee Beach, Sunday, 11 March 2018, at approximately 5 a.m. while getting ready for the annual Coogee Jetty to Jetty Swim. Unfortunately, the easterly breeze then took her out to sea, and we lost her. So, so did they not have the thing weighted down at all? I mean, you can't just throw a big, huge, 20-foot-tall inflatable duck in the ocean and hey, hope for the hey, best. Hey, man, life finds a way. <laughs> yeah. She said it was time to leave. That's awesome that the thing is being like spotted by fishermen. 
and stuff. I hope it. I hope it washes up like on the shores of California someday. Yes. I read an article one time. It was one of those clickbaity articles, you know, like fifteen unbelievable things wash up on the on the shore, and there was like this giant huge uh, Lego man that washed up. Have you seen that? Mm, no. It was like a display, like a, you know, it was, it was a Lego minifig, but it was huge. It was about the size of Daphne in the picture and just washed up, fell off a cargo ship somewhere. My father-in-law found something floating in, in the Tom Bigby, but I, I don't think your, your <laughs> listeners are prepared for to know what it was. Well, so you can't we'll just, not tell them we'll just We'll just move along. Okay. Was it a body? It was a body. Oh snap! It was not a human body. I mean, it was a it was a let's just say it was a doll <laughs> that was designed for certain aspects of okay. life. Dude, that's disgusting! I got you. <laughs> well, with that little bit of uh, levity, uh, we're fixing to uh, dive into uh, something a little more serious here. Uh, if we have any uh, young listeners out there, you may want to. You may or may not want your kids uh, to hear about O.J. Simpson. Uh, did you know this? Uh, last Sunday, Fox aired an article that O.J. Simpson did, apparently back in 2006. Were you familiar with this at all? No. I don't know where you're going with this. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm intrigued. Okay. Well, of course, we all know this, the this whole story, the the media circus, the courtroom, the court case, all this stuff that was O.J. Simpson back in the mid-'90s. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently he was found innocent, but then he was found guilty in a civil trial. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his assets were seized and, and given to the Goldman family for the murder of uh, Ron Goldman. And in 2006, he wrote a book called If I Did It, Here's How It Happened. <laughs> I'm assuming the idea was for him to kind of cash in and make some money because I think all he's got is his NFL pension. Hmm. Which I think is sixty grand a year, which would you know it's comfortable for people like me and you, right. but for somebody like O.J. Simpson, that's not a whole lot of money. He was going to try to make money off this book, and it was huge. It was super controversial, as I'm sure you can imagine. It went that went to court, and then the rights for that book were actually taken away from O.J. and given to the Goldwyn family as well. Nah. And they released the book. You can get it on Amazon. It's it's called. It, but they changed the title to "If I Did It." Instead of here, instead of if I did it, here's how it happened. It's if I did it, confessions of the killer. And yeah. and on the book they got if like written <laughs> super duper small. So if you're just looking at the cover, it says I did it, confessions of the killer. <sighs> but he gave an interview to Fox that was supposed to coincide with the release of, of this book to you know build it up and sell more copies. And after the controversy, this was before it went to court and the rights were taken, and everything, and the whole thing was shelved. Well. It was dug up, and it was. It actually aired. It was a two-hour Fox special last Sunday. I saw parts of it. Did you see any of it I at all? I did not. Well, I've got a little audio here nope. so that we're going to listen to. <laughs> O.J. Simpson laughs repeatedly. He laughs when he says how hard it is to talk about his ex-wife's horrific murder. He laughs when he mentions Charlie. Charlie. A mysterious friend who's not been matched to any real person who Simpson says came with him to the murder scene. Here's how he describes the crucial moments of June 12, 1994, an account which he repeatedly insists is hypothetical. As things got heated, uh, I just remember Nicole fell and hurt herself. 
And uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. And I said, well, you think you can kick ass? And I remember I grabbed a knife. I do remember that portion, taking a knife from Charlie. And to be honest, after that, I don't remember. Except I'm standing there and it's... Simpson infers he blacked out and laughs bizarrely. I hate to say this, but this is hypothetical. I'm sorry. I know we got to back up again. And he says he was standing in blood. I don't think any two people could be um, murdered the way they were without everybody being covered in blood. It's all part of Fox's show called The Lost Confession, the only interview Simpson's ever given about the murders of his ex-wife Nicole and Ron Goldman. Fox shelved the 2006 interview following a public outcry. It was originally supposed to be part of a promotion for Simpson's book, If I Did It. Renthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. But is there any legal action Simpson could still face? There is absolutely no legal recourse against O.J. Simpson at this point. Double jeopardy prevents another criminal trial. There already is a multi-million dollar civil judgment against him, which he has avoided to a great extent paying. Fox says Simpson didn't get paid for this interview, but the fascination with this case endures. In the interview, Simpson, as always, shows no lack of self-pity. And it's almost like they killed me. Who I was, was was attacked and murdered. The Goldman and Brown families had opposed the airing of this interview when it was first scheduled to air in 2006 because they didn't want O.J. Simpson making money off the murders. But in a statement just obtained by CNN, an attorney for Fred Goldman said the family now welcomes the airing of the interview because everyone can now make their own judgments. So I've watched a little bit of this interview and... uh I, the, he says, he claims in the interview, again, he says this whole thing is hypothetical, mm. but he says this uh, person called Charlie comes over to his house and says that something's going on over at Nicole's house and he's going to go over there and stop it. He uh, he claims he had a knife, but he claims he gave it to Charlie and they go over there, they confront him. I mean, as you kind of heard in the soundbite there, they there's a scuffle, he grabs the knife and he says he blacks out, and he doesn't remember anything past that. He says the next thing he remembers, there's, quote, stuff all around. And then when he was pre- he was pressed by the, the person giving him the interview, he said, what stuff? He says, blood and stuff. So it's chilling. What? It's very chilling. What stable person <laughs> even makes up a story like this? Exactly. I mean, let's just assume... Let's, Let's go on a wild on a, and and to be fair, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, but let's just assume he's innocent. Why would you go out and say this stuff I know. and and torture the families, you know, of the victims? That's that's a horrible thing. Yeah. He also says uh, something else in the interview. Ms. Reagan was the one who was uh, interviewing him, and she uh, she asked him that if he may have removed his glove when he grabbed the knife from Charlie, the way he was talking about it, and he says, "quote." I have no conscious memory of doing that, but I obviously must have because they found the glove there. Hmm. Again, hypothetical scenario. That is nuts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is it's chilling. Well, see, I remember the story quite well. Yeah. Because my mother always took up for, for OJ. She was mm-hmm. a big OJ fan long before this stuff right. happened. 
So, and, and I've got some OJ memorabilia if anybody would like to purchase any. You better, you better be careful because you know, <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll come in there and take it back. He just might. <laughs> He's crazy enough to. And my dad and I were always like, this dude did it. He's nutso. <laughs> well, just listen to the dude. I got Right here. I hate to say this, but this is like, but I'm right, sorry. Right. I know we got to back up again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny, OJ. What? It's just hypothetical. What a weirdo. Golly, it is it is creepy. Yeah, I'm not I'm not an OJ fan. I can't say I am either. Yeah, and I I hate it for the folks that he was uh, that he harassed or whatever. But uh, I'm glad to know that he was put behind bars eventually. For, but he's out now though. Uh, well, but what yeah. what a, what a piece of work this guy is. Yeah, that's just. Even if even if he is innocent, and, and he may be, again, I was not there that night. But why would you, why would you say this kind of stuff? I mean, I, well, I mean, I guess the the answer is obvious. I mean, he was doing it for money. Yeah. Unfor- I mean, which he didn't get it. It was given all to the family. But uh, I wow. hate to. That's very disturbing. That is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's uh, let's leave let's lay that down and uh, this this show is way too mellow for your music. <laughs> I mean, the music's great, but the bumper music is like yeah. we ought to be doing some some head banging in here. So I thought, oh, well, I got some community feedback. We didn't have any reviews last week, so that's a bummer. If anyone out there, if y'all want to go leave us some iTunes reviews, that would be hilarious. We've got some more stuff to give away. I tell you what, uh, I'm going to give away. A ten dollar gift card again this week to people who leave iTunes reviews with '80s lyrics in them. <laughs> so that's gonna be that's gonna be what we do this week. If we get any reviews, uh, that would be hilarious. Um, we did get some uh, some uh, some listeners to email in. We got one. Uh, this one's anonymous, but it says, "Great show, guys! What a wonderful addition the guests bring. Definitely need more Deidre. You know, John's wife Deidre was on the show last week." Her insights and comments were witty and delightful. Glad to hear Poo Watch has come to its logical end. I feel like I made the best choice possible when I made Earth Oddity my one and only source for news. Many people seem to care more about things that don't matter, such as politics, the environment, or the general welfare of the country and its people. I choose not to get bogged down by simple things and choose instead to focus on bigger issues of life, like Poo Watch, Bigfoot, Breast Milk, Time Travel, and The Bachelor, all in one place, finally. Thank you, Earth Oddity. You have filled a void in my life I didn't even know I had. Okay. Well, we thank you, sir, or ma'am, and uh, we are glad that you listened to us, and we're glad that you made us your one and only spot, uh, you know, spot for new- source of news, because <laughs> where else are you going to hear about platypus milk fighting superbugs and... Yes. <laughs> lickable, lickable platypus. <laughs> or would that be platypie? We also got this one in from Goose. Goose writes in, Okay, so in your last podcast, you mentioned that folks can email questions, so I have a few that have really been bothering me. Maybe you guys can help. Uh, question number one, if a mute swears, does his mom wash his hands? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I think uh, I think his mom makes him stick his fingers in a mousetrap. No. <laughs> number two if you're driving at the speed of light and you turn your headlights on what happens uh i would think nothing yeah, that's i don't a good know question. 
<laughs> Why are apartments called apartments if they're all stuck together? Now, I actually did some research on this. Uh, These are some deep, deep thoughts you've got going here. Just for you, Goose, I looked this up. I plugged this into the Google machine, and this is what I got back. It said, uh, of course, apartments are stuck together to form one big building. One might wonder why they're called that, but that's a great question. The word apartment comes from the French word apartment or and or the Italian word apartmento, both of which, both of which mean a separated place. Mm-hmm. Which I, f- I feel like this is just another example of the rest of the world doing one thing and Americans do it and doing it the right way. <laughs> but apparently, they say that if you think about it, yes, the apartments are all stuck together, but you have all these different people and all these different families who are separated from each other. So it's not one great big room with a bunch of people living in there. It's apartments. It's separate rooms. Yeah. And then finally, the last question is, uh, who was cruel enough to put an S in the word lisp? <laughs> Somebody fact check me on this, but I think it was Mike Tyson. (laughs) As always, you can email the show. We are earthoddity at planetmail.net. You can follow us on Instagram. We are earth underscore oddity underscore podcast. And also, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at underscore earthoddity. As always... Go out and have a great week. We are so glad that you decided to download us and listen to us. Tell your friends. It would really help out if we could get our download numbers up. Big, big, big thanks to Mr. John Horton for filling in for John Long. Happy to do it. (laughs) Hopefully John Long will be back later on. He'll be back next week. Hopefully I didn't cost you any viewers or listeners. (laughs) Well, I hope not either because we can can spare many. (laughs) (laughs) Go leave us an iTunes review. We look forward to seeing you all next week. We're out of here. This has been a very odd production. Thanks for listening.